This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to episode two of the Practice of Learning Teams. In this episode, the three authors of the book, The Practice of Learning Teams, Brent Sutton, Glynis McCarthy and Brent Robinson, will conduct a mini learning team based on your submissions in the learning journal. We will discuss and reflect on some of the community challenges to embed learning teams and explore the what, the how and the why. In today's episode, we explore the topic about gaining worker trust with learning teams. Before we start that conversation, what is trust? The dictionary says that trust is the reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, and surety of a person or a thing. When I talk to organizations about trust, they really talk about what trust is. Instead, they tell me about three things that trust does. What I found during these conversations is that a trusting environment allows people to um, show up as themselves or to be themselves, to be present, that trust helps to build psychological safety, and that trust helps to create a non-judgmental relationship within the workplace. So let's start the conversation with my colleagues. I'm going to kick off by asking that question is, what is trust within the context of the workplace? Brent Robinson, what's your thoughts? Well, Brent, it's um, interesting from that point of view, I think, as leaders within organisations that we think that we have trust uh, with our workers and we take it as a given and we have to really work on it. And as you say, it's about them giving us their trust when they're wanting to tell us something or to work with us on something. And it's not it's not just implied. You know, we, we need to work at it from a leadership point of view. We really have to work on... Um, understanding where they're at and let them be themselves and feel that they can uh, tell us something without any uh, fear or retribution. And I think that's really important from the workplace's point of view that you're you're building that uh, sense of community where people can come up to you at any time. And, you know, I don't want to use those old adages around open door or any of that thing that you're communicating with your people all the time. And that's showing that you're really wanting that input. And then that with, by doing that and being out there with with those workers, that really, really helps build that um, connection between the people. And it's really about the connection between people, in my experience, in the workplace. Glynis, how do you, you're experiencing the same sort of thing? Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, trust is an important concept when we talk about organisational learning. Um, without trust uh, that flows throughout the organisation, um, I think that it's really difficult then to get that overarching um, culture of learning that, that uh, to embed. Trust, I agree with you, Brent, is something that you have to work on. So it's not a given. Uh, trust is all about uh, equity and partnership, um, acknowledging that uh, management um, bring a, a certain uh, skill and, and knowledge and experience to the table, um, as do workers um, from a different perspective. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that some of the things we work with some of our supervisors is that they expect that the the workers will trust them, and you know, 
it's one of those things we have to really build that skill um, and helping them understand that initially they might not. And it's, you know, based on their actions that that trust will slowly be built over a period of time. And it's not an instantaneous thing. So when we think about trust within the context of a learning team, what I always find fascinating is that um, when we get a group of people together, we don't necessarily know um, where they're coming from. We don't know what their previous experiences are. We don't know uh, where they sit within that, that scale of trust if we think about trust as being a bit of a scale. So we've got this group of people together and then this facilitator yep. is being faced with this environment. So... And I, and within that, you won't know the interconnection sometimes as well. You know, so it, it, it's really important that you start building that within that group and that they feel that it is relatively safe or it is safe within that group. And you'll have different levels of hierarchy within that group as well, won't you? So we might have some people that uh, might, uh, I, I assume we might use the word that some people might be a bit reserved. And that then they're, they're basically Certainly. looking for the opportunity for trust to be created before they want to participate. Yeah, and you're going to have... I think the other thing that we're seeing is you know, you've got some cultural diversity within those groups as well. And, you know, there'll be some trust that needs to be built between that that diversity of that group. So, you know, those things are all have to be brought into the context of the group. And I think that diversity goes even further than that, Brent. Um, I think that that diversity is in terms of, of knowledge and skill, in terms of language, in terms of literacy, um, in terms of the internal hierarchy within the organisation. Um, so, you know, who is deemed, who's seen as kind of a safety leader, even though that may not be reflective of their title. Um, yeah. so I think that that whole notion of trust that's built within a learning team is vital for its success. Yeah, I, it's interesting that you talk about that, those different um, levels in terms of, their ability to be able to speak freely and also um, how they build that trust. I, that's super important as you're, as you're building that team. I was working uh, the other week, guys, with a, with a group of uh, uh, workers uh, around doing some uh, training around being a health and safety representative. And I could see from uh, the people I was trying to engage with that um, – the sort of subject matter we're talking about didn't sit easy with them, didn't sit well with them. And I was just thinking about how how could I make this experience better for those people in that process? And I was also looking, and we had a very mixed group of people from lots of diverse um, um, ethnic and cultural backgrounds. So I basically said to them, I said, look, guys, um, you know, I'm here to help. And rather than you telling me that you don't understand something or, or wanting to admit to the rest of the group that you're struggling with what we're talking about, why don't we create a little safe word within the group? And the safe word will be that you just ask me, what do I mean by that? And it was really interesting because it moved the focus away from them to something else. And, and what surprised yeah. me was within about 10, 15 minutes of sort of going through that sort of process and making them feel a bit more comfortable that everyone's in the swing of things. And how that group participated dramatically changed as a result. 
to the extent that every question I was asking, they're saying, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and did you have different, <laughs> a different level of hierarchy from the organisation in that group? Or were they similar? Yes. No, no, d- different. Once again, once again, very, very different. But there was this whole notion, I suppose, Glynis, around trust that um, I was asking them to trust me for them to be open about what they um, do or did not know. That raises a really good point, Brent, um, the difference between the notion of trust versus being trustworthy. I think in a learning team, what we need to aim for is that the facilitator is trustworthy. So they're trustworthy in wanting an open, honest, genuine dialogue with the people that are participating in the learning team and that they're trustworthy in that they follow a fair and moderate process in terms of how they run and deliver a learning team with those participants and that the people who participate in the learning team trust in the process. So, Brent, what's your thought on that? Well, I think it's, you know, know, the the facilitator being trustworthy. I mean, that is so important as as you build that team together so you get that learning and everybody is um, feeling comfortable and that they can trust people within that within that team. And that will really help build that. So trustworthy in this context, what does that mean to you, Brent? I think it, it means that they can bring anything up and there is no fear of any sort of retribution or, you know, it, it, it is a really level playing field and that, that, that they can ask any question and they feel supported within that environment in my mind that's what it means to me so it's about the facilitator really providing um, a very psychologically safe environment for people to explore the problem that's at hand so that they can really uh, look at the the problem from lots of different perspectives um, without having any fear that they might might say the wrong thing or phrase it incorrectly so Brent what were you going to say from the perspective that I'm looking for someone to have some type of voice and and I want them to see them move from having a little voice to a bigger voice during that learning team. So so those people that um, you know might be shy or might be reserved, you know, whatever whatever that sits within them, what I'm trying to do is I want to try and get them to form part of that conversation. And by giving them some form of voice, um they then get that, give back to them that respect that that what they're saying is going to be valued by the group. It's not about the group agreeing with what the person's saying, but it's about them being to express how they feel or why they feel that way. And, and I think we've we've coined that phrase that um, around that concept of a diversity of thought, that it's okay to have different views. And it's, doing, it's making them feel validated, I guess, with that, isn't it? It's... That's what we're helping them do. And this may take several bites of the same cherry. This might be something that if you've got somebody with language and, um, yeah, particularly language issues, um, even even some cultural barriers, that actually they may not feel comfortable, even though you provide a, an environment where people are encouraged to, to participate and to share their views. Actually, it may take several attempts so I think that um, what we need to be thinking about is about the, the, the ongoing process of learning teams and why trust is such an important tenant, that ultimately what you're doing is you're laying down the foundation for, for change and you're laying down the foundation for people to gain that voice. 
Yeah. I, I, one of the experiences I had this year was with a team we put together. It was, we had a group from the same ethnic background, and I didn't realise that there was a hierarchy within that group um, that was not from the business. It was from outside. The context was from outside the business, from within their own society. And it took a while to, for me to realise that. And it was, you know, that trust wasn't built until we could really work on that, that, particular, that particular issue, that it was about just the learning team and within the context of what we're working on and nothing outside of that. And that was, you know, from my point of view, it was a really large, big piece of learning for me. So that kind of leads on, guys, to this idea of, you know, how do you, when you're forming a, an environment of trust, who has the onus to do so? Brent, what are your thoughts? So the facilitator needs to basically, um, uh, I don't know if, well, it's not lead, <laughs> but that they need to allow that environment to exist and they need to allow people to explore. Um, I recall just recently um, that I was looking at uh, this group of people where a couple of them were very, very quiet. But what I was trying to gauge with them is how they were looking at others and during the conversation. So they weren't sort of like standing back with their arms crossed. They didn't have that body language where they basically wanted to be by themselves and not be there. But what they were doing is that they were listening intently to what other people were saying. I was seeing some body language about them nodding and agreeing. It's just that they felt that they weren't at that stage where they wanted to share that voice. And, you know, me saying to them, you know, what do you think? I don't know whether that was going to be a good outcome or not. So part of what we did was we then basically got them to uh, do a little um, a team exercise amongst themselves. So that person started to get that voice. And did that, did that help in terms of levelling that, that sort of uh, group and bring them back up to the same sort of level where they're feeling more trusted? Oh, yes, well, once they had a voice, okay. it became a really big voice. <laughs> went, the, went in the other direction. Absolutely, because the fact is that um, they were holding back, but purely by their nature of of them um, showing such curiosity and wanting to be involved, you can tell they wanted to have a voice through that process. Yep. So I was trying to find an avenue to get them to do that. And like everything else, when I did it, I then... Uh, thought about from my own perspective about, um, you know, I wanted to reflect on that to work out how did that work because it may not always work the same way. Yeah. But isn't that interesting that the dynamic of the group just changes over time, you know, and as that trust is built and people feel more and more comfortable within that group or on that team, it's it's really it's quite powerful. So, you know. so I, think it's, I think it's really important there to look at that kind of the who does have the onus performing the environment of trust in a learning team. Certainly the role as a facilitator is to provide the ground rules yeah. um, and set the stage for, for how that conversation will take place and to look at the kind of um, the subtleties within the group and look at changing different um, methodologies or approaches within the learning team. So sometimes it could be about having a, a wider group discussion. Other times it might be breaking it down so that in smaller groups, such as twos or threes, depending on the size of the learning team, they might look at something um, and then come back and report to the, the slightly bigger group. Um, but I suppose it's about having that flexibility and by being able to read the participants in the learning team to adjust your style to fit their needs. And ultimately, is the, is the goal 
to build that relationship of trust between the people and the learning team? Oh, definitely. I think, you know, once they start trusting each other and that, that whole relationship that you've built in that learning team is that then more information starts flowing and you, you're actually, people are starting to, um, try, as they trust each other, are really starting to open up about, you know, the things that they know and the, the stuff that they can bring into that whole learning team. I, I, and that's the, you know, that's the experience that we've had with, that, you know, with this group I was talking about before, once they felt that you know, the, they weren't dropping anybody else in it, which was part of the trust, and but they also weren't, um, you know, that they felt valued within that team, then the information started to flow, it started to help them, you know, it became a positive instead of a negative and it was really quite amazing to watch watch how those things really, really build. You know, I think that's one of the strengths once you get to that point. Really insightful when you talk with people post a learning team um, from different perspectives. So one that we attended um, not so long ago, Brent and I, um, going into the learning team, there was a little bit of uh, a feeling of discomfort um, from both management and workers at participating. And by the end of the learning team, uh, both managers and workers talked about how much they had learnt. I think that when we are feeling guarded, it really becomes we're very conscious of how we're being presented and we're very conscious of what we're saying and how other people will judge us. And therefore, there's a real block for learning. Yeah. Once we feel that we can say things and listen to people without judgment, um, then what we're able to do is more ab- we're more able to think about how does that relate to my, con- to my situation um, and reflect on my, my current state of practice. So, you know, the, the building of trust with people in a learning team is really vital for its success. I think it's really interesting, Glynis, because that group in particular, they had come from an industry where uh, learning was valued from an organisational point of view, but their learning opportunity only came from after an event happened. Absolutely. And it was about, typically it was about attributing, apportioning blame or apportioning who should do something differently as a result. So therefore, trust is not something that's implicit in that. No. And our conversation with them was uh, a learning team at the proactive end around management of change. And, and what I do recall uh, quite clearly was the fact that their initial focus was on the process, not the conversation. And they kept saying to us, what's the process? What's the process? Because they were used to this very rigid framework of how they went about doing learning. And when they realised that we actually didn't have a process, that it was more of a framework, that's, I think, when they started to relax and, and became more unguarded in that. So do you find that the first time you ran it it was quite it wasn't relaxed and guarded but the next time when you're doing with the management of change they'd learn from the first one and then say okay well, you know we understand what it what it looks like and there is some inherent trust that's been built from the first example to the second example i think in this situation it was quite interesting we were reviewing uh four uh critical risks for the organization so we deliberately chose what we thought was probably the easiest risk first because we know they're going to put more of the effort into trying to understand the process rather than focus on, okay. on the conversation. And um, if I recall, Glynis, we, we only had a couple of hours with the group. 
was we did what was yeah scheduled. I think about ninety minutes yeah and that probably the the, the probably the first forty percent was on the first one and the other ones all flowed off the back of it and it was really interesting how the dynamic shifted that once people had had given up trying to find the process understand the process that they saw the power of the conversation um, the time frame just totally changed okay. Um, and Brenda, you know, just as a comment from your last uh, your last point about, you know, do people um, develop a sense of trust, I suppose, more easily or more quickly, the more times that they participate in a learning team and have a good outcome? I think that's a resounding yes for participants, but also yes for the facilitator. I think the more times you do facilitate a learning team and you get a good outcome, the more you trust in the process and the more you're able to articulate for others who are new to the process, what is it that you're going to be doing and how is it that you're going to do it? Um, and I think that there's a, quite a bit of subtlety in that, um, that this is not a process per se. This is about a framework that we're going to follow. Yeah. Um, and so there's quite a big kind of organic nature to this. And so actually as a facilitator, you need to feel comfortable in that kind of organic component of, of being able to to facilitate and lead a learning team which, that, which is quite interesting because it's sort of building it across the organization at that point of view isn't it uh, the, sorry at that time you're, you're building that that trust component across multiple parts of the organization as it grows outwardly Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, again, I think that learning teams, if, if well embedded in an organisation, have a true value for both the participants in terms of, of learning and of being able to critically reflect on practice, but also there's a, a net value, a net gain for organisations as well um, in terms of having an opportunity to learn from current practice, to learn from their status quo versus uh, versus. Um, where do they, they where do they want to be? What are their aspirations? Um, how do they see learning sort of unfolding within the organisation? Okay, and so there must be building of trust through actions and follow ups as well, right? From those learning teams, that this thing's happening. I think you know once again when it comes to trust, uh, a learning team uh, uh, starts that journey, creates that environment, but if if there isn't any follow through through action, if there's no doing component from the learning team, then um, that can undo the trust that's been created. Yeah. And, that, and that's something we experienced that, you know, with the one of the learning teams we ran here is that they didn't, there were some actions that they were looking that came out of it, but nothing ever happened. So that team just go, well, you know, there was no point to it moving forward. And... So you went you went backwards again. You had to start again and work your way forward. Have you had similar experiences from that point of view? I think one of the really important things for the facilitator is to scope what is the purpose and the intended outcomes of a learning team up front. Yep. That people start the learning team with really clear intentions about what's going to be happening as a result. Are we solely within the problem identification phase, and then that we will re meet after after a period of time to look at solutions, and for for the facilitator to map out what that process is going to look like. 
Um, because I agree with you, Brent Sutton, that if if there isn't follow follow up and action post a learning team, particularly if it's kind of implied or um, people come into it with that expectation, then you can erode trust in the process of learning teams. Because we're asking people to be part of these problem identification. We're then asking people to form part of the problem solution. But if we don't do that follow through, then basically we're going to undo all that great value. And and that goes back to, and the thing we talk about a lot in the book is that whole thing about, you know, it has to be based on that continuous improvement. You have to complete that PDCA cycle. Yeah. if, if, If there is no, don't ask people to tell you things if there's no intention of doing follow through or feedback it will basically um, destroy that trust that was formed early on. And we're asking people by its nature for them to be problem solvers. So to be problem solvers, they want to know, they need that feedback, they need that assurance component to that. I think it's one of the things that we see in our learning teams is what happens as a result of it. I mean, that that is so important that it is part of that continuous improvement process and you know, that the organisation has to be able to have the wherewithal to follow through on the on the um, actions that come out from it. Yeah, super important. And I think organisations get scared. They, they get scared that there might be a whole raft of things that come out of it. I mean, what I've seen, if I compare a traditional, say, um, event-based investigation using a root cause model versus a learning team, you know, I, I'll share with the listeners that the learning team comes up with a much smaller number of things that can be improved compared to a root cause approach. And those smaller number of things are things that workers can do and can participate in and can see the value from doing it. Yeah, versus the big capital expenditure thing that some of these uh, root cause processes come up with. I struggle to understand how corrective actions can create worker learning. I'm being told to do something. Yeah. A learning team is different because the worker um, has learnt through that process and that worker, simply by them participating in that process, they are being um, um, accountable and responsible and, and being part of that solution component also means they're being responsible at the same time. I don't know how responsibility happens in a, uh, a traditional investigation approach when they're simply being told they are the problem. Go on more training. Okay, training didn't work the first time. Yeah, or they need to... Uh, we're gonna work more, more procedures. Yeah. Um, bigger font on the sign. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Better colours. Sadly, how many times do we see that though? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's been built in. Yeah. Well, this this endemic no- notion of name, blame, shame, retrain, and write a new procedure is commonplace. <laughs> yeah. A new procedure written by somebody sitting somewhere else that doesn't have the context of the work yes, that's been done. Yes, this one much. will work because it's got better colours. 
Yeah. <clears throat> this one will work. And we added some photos. Because it's been dumbed down for our workers. Yeah. This this one will work because we've we've got we've taken some really great pictures off the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, this this is a learning team, not a rant. I'll hold back. <laughs> but remember, because they've got good facilitation in this, actually you've got psychological safety, so you can have a rant. However, you will be pulled back in back into the group conversation so that that rant doesn't become a tangent. Yes, rant to tangent. And I'm lucky because I, I have a trusted group of colleagues. That is true. And we see you were part of the solution, Brent, and not just the problem. <laughs> So wrapping up for our listeners, what have we taken from today? That trust is a vital part of learning teams and that the facilitator really needs to set the scene very early on and outline what are the, the what's the possible process that we're going to follow and potential outcomes. Yeah, I think that, that, that is a good wrap-up of it. Well done. That's wonderful. Thank you. And, look, we hope everyone's enjoyed today. Uh, just a reminder, um, these sessions are based on your feedback. So the, you, the listeners, we encourage you to uh, connect onto our website, www.podcastlearnings.com, and share with us what you felt today. And we'll take that information, we'll learn from that information, and we'll come up with the next episode. Thank you all. Thank you, Brent Robinson. Thank you, Glynis McCarthy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, listeners, and we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.